Someone invited my father to a Santa Claus party. It was his first time. Everyone was happy and there were many kids. Then he saw Black Pete. It was hard to, hard to process. He did not know what to do. Happy kids were everywhere, but everywhere around him was white. And he was the only brown person. What is to say in a moment that promotes joy? So one thing that is important to emphasize and also to know is that people who speak out against Black Pete have been ridiculed. They have been made fun of. They have been subjected to racist slurs. They have been attacked and in their fight for equality. They have been blamed. They have been portrayed as criminals. And we are not only talking about people who go into the streets to protest, but we talk about parents who maybe live in a white neighborhood as the only black family who have to go to the school and have a talk with the school director and afterwards are being stigmatized as destroying a children's festivity by their comments. We talk about people who uh, speak out at the nursery, the playground, people who have conversations at work, who speak at podcasts, so on. So my first question to you is, why does the protest against Black Pete cause such aggressive and even hysterical behavior from uh, the white Dutch community? And of course, we're not including everybody here. So what is it that needs to be defended? This is really something I want to understand. Ilike, do you want to start? Yeah, that's okay. Well, I think one thing what I hear a lot is like people are saying, yeah, but this is tradition. So tradition, you should not change. Why do you need to change it? And this is a children's uh, festivity and children are used to this and they don't see it as racism. And, and a lot of times people say it's not racism, but they don't look further. And so that's like mainly like the, 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 like the, the people I hear around me. Most of the time it's, it's white people. They don't want to change uh, a certain event because it's a tradition. Um, but also what, what you also sometimes see is that also people of color will say something like, well, I don't really have a problem with it. It's a children's festivity. Why should we, you don't need to change it. And that that's even harder because that's then other people say like, yeah, well, if they don't care, why should we change it? So that's something that people hide behind. Uh, because they don't want to see the deeper meaning of it. They don't see the stereotyping that they've put uh, made Pete into. Because it's not, if, if he comes to the shimmy, okay, he, he has a little bit of black marks on him, but he will not turn into a black person with big red lips, heavy earrings, and an afro. I mean, a shimmy doesn't do that to you if you come through it. So even if that story is true that he comes to the chimney, then it still doesn't work. So it's if if you really break it down, everything they're saying or defending is something very strange. And people just don't they don't they just don't like change. And I also think it's something that comes from some white supremacy to make you know. I think that's also the why it, it, it started to exist. There you see uh, the certain moments that they brought back Pete into this Black Pete into, into the world. It's actually like, I don't know, but it feels like as if there was a time that, that you know, there were coming some, there was coming like some um, equality for, for people of color and that white people were like, okay, that's not going to happen. They're going to take over. So we need to like keep them small and what kind of ways can we keep them small or something? And then they put stereotyping in as like, I don't know, a defending mechanism? What 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 would we call it? I, I think it comes from that supremacy and people don't see that. Because yeah. they think it's it's something funny, it's 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 something nice. Everybody loves black beads. Why do we make such a big thing out of it? He's the nice person here, but he's not. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's a lot, like Lee said, less part, especially like uh, the white supremacy is really something that I feel um really stands out here why they uh, are being so aggressive against the whole movement of kicking out Black Pete because I feel like um, with kicking out Black Pete or at least changing the whole tradition makes Pete uh, equal to uh, Sinterklaas and uh, they are being raised that white is always better than black and white is above black 
So for him, for them uh, to change uh, this culture, quote culture, I know it, uh, I call it, is um, saying that there is no difference between a black person and a white person. And that yeah. still stands far from what we believe, because here in the Netherlands, we still see a lot of segregation. We still yes. see that black people are being treated differently in Definitely. different ways. And in this uh, festivity, you see it being exaggerated and they cover it up by saying, yeah, but the Pete is funny. He's nice. Uh, he makes jokes, um, but he's not being seen as well-educated, well-spoken, intelligent. Why can he not ride a horse like uh, a Sinterklaas does, you know? So you see a hierarchy in um, in this tradition. And that hierarchy is something that comes from our society here in the Netherlands and still is alive. We don't talk about it much, but it is still alive. And yes. also a little bit that the Dutch culture doesn't really have a lot of traditions. So the, the couple of traditions that they have, they really want to hold on, cling to them as well. So I think it's also a little bit of fearfulness around it. If we let go of this tradition in this way, then who are we as a as a country? Where do we stand for? What is our legacy? What is our culture then? Yeah. So, and also like if we change this thing, then what's next? Yeah. What what else do they want us to change? You know, stay away from our tradition. But it's no, it's not like that. So yes. Yeah. And this actually were also some of the arguments that were mentioned in the emails that the artists received, the hate emails that we mentioned earlier. Um, and, and we will talk about some of the points that you mentioned right now later on as well. And we will go into more detail. But one of the things that you already mentioned is that Black Pete is considered an innocent and funny traditional festivity, right? You hear mm. people say, as, as you mentioned, it's a children's celebration and children do not see color And you're harming the small, defenseless, innocent kids with your actions. And this then is often connected uh, to the Netherlands being a small country, an innocent country, uh, an anti-racist nation that doesn't see color and where everybody is equal. Mm -hmm. So th that is then connected to the other part. So what do you have to say about this sentiment? And um, if, if we talk, let's say, about the kids that do not see color and they are harmed um, if, if we change the festivity. What are some of the effects that this festivity that is so innocent has on children and families that are not white? Because what about them? So what do you have to say on that? Yeah, so I would like to give an example of a good friend of mine. Um, so he's a black male, um, And really open, really nice, really funny, really social. He gets along with everybody. And he told me not too long ago, I think a couple of years ago, um, he went to the house of a friend of him, a Dutch man. And I'm talking about, uh, I think he's around his 50s now. And so he was mid-40s. And uh, a friend of him uh, had uh, small children over at his house. And he came uh, unexpected to visit his white friend and they always had like a discussion around the 5th of December about the whole Sinterklaas party which my friend tried to explain to his white friend that um, this this festive uh, is yeah really um, not a nice festivity for black people and why do we feel as black as a black community that things need to change and his white friend's said the same comment like you said, Stella, about, um, yeah, but it's an innocent party for children and um, my uh, our kids like Black Pete uh, and so forth. And so he told me like one day he came to his friend unexpectedly and the children were also in the house and he came in and he opened the door and the kids were around the table sitting there and they saw him for the first time, the children. And the children screamed and said, oh, my God, it's Black Pete. And they were actually scared because it wasn't even around the 5th of December. So the kids were afraid to see a black, dark male coming into the house unexpected, thinking it was Black Pete. So the children hide and his friend was flabbergasted and then looked to him and said, oh, my God. This is what you're trying to tell me all these years. Hmm. I've never thought that our children would react this way 
through you coming unexpectedly through our door. And he didn't have to mention anything anymore. And to me, that was a great example. And I have many more of those examples from friends of mine, especially male friends of mine, because I think that especially male um, are being recognized more in this figure than females who um, outside of the five-day December, the whole month, throughout the year, are being projected to Black Pete and some part of the whole negativity. So for me, it's more a little bit like you can say it's a children festivity, but the effects that it has on children and emotions that it gives children throughout those years makes them being afraid for Black people. Yeah, yeah, I think because that's also, you know, the, they, they, you know, Black Pete sees everything. So throughout the year, that's already creating some fear. And, and I think also for a lot of children, maybe they have never seen people of color before. So, you know, their imagination is like, okay, so people of color are always or funny, but they can also be mean because they watch you all the time. And so there's a whole thing going on in their mind on how black people are and they don't know they don't know them and especially also children because children of color are being called out as well and they don't know how to defend themselves they don't they don't understand why are they looking at me i remember one time being in the efteling with with your daughter and standing in the row for something and that's two kids they were saying like oh she's probably the sister of black Pete." and i was like looking at the kids i was so angry like how and then look at the, the parents and the parents just laugh like ha, 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 that's that's just a joke and it's like no it's not just a joke because it does something to a person you know that person wants to be val valued and that person has value just as your kids have so that you know it's, it's it's a very it goes very deep and it definitely goes into the whole institutional problem that we have in the Netherlands the whole institutional discrimination system that's built on not yes, equality yes. so it's yeah and i think that's that's yeah. something people don't understand that we're also talking about power relations here Definitely. because you have a group exactly. as we mentioned already before that generally speaking is in much more privileged position than people of color they are much more marginalized mm -hmm. oppressed they have been through so much throughout history so this is also something that people do not understand and also what what you said and uh, gloria wecker also mentions that in her book that um for decades actually black pete uh, has been the first black or blackened person that small children in dutch societies are exposed to because mm -hmm. many of them live in small cities uh in the west of the country so this figure sketches for them what a black person looks like or is like right um yeah. so yeah and and this is this is an image that is maintained and, and perpetuated in white adults as well and exposes yeah. black people in a in a yeah in, in a very extreme and and ridiculed and and racist way as, as we already said and that actually brings us to to our next point because we are really stating today firmly that black pete portrays a very negative stereotypical image of black people as second class citizens uh, black pete is racist and this portrayal of of how black pete is portrayed or has been portrayed is exactly the racist element of of the whole sinterklaas party it is the black body that is made fun of and this is also mentioned by your colleague Uh, Lulu Helder, who we mentioned earlier, she's a writer, she's an activist. She was um, the co-founder of, of the first uh, action group against Black Pete. Uh, Black Pete is Black Sadness. And this, this, this figure of Black Pete with this black painted face, like the, the darker, the better, um, with those big red lips, the curly hair. Um, and this is like a, like a caricature, which, which, has been born out of the of the of the colonial past of the dutch colonial past and then we have the behavior of black pete which represents this constant joyfulness of black people who are naturally funny uh, carefree they don't have a worry in the world right they always dance and they always are seen as vehicles for white enjoyment as as is pointed out by said by sadia hartman and then we have black pete Who exists in large numbers, right? And they all look the same. There is no individuality in the, in the way that the black peats look, as if black people look all the same. So, and then on the other hand, we have Sinterklaas, uh, 
the only white person, the white savior figure, let's say, uh, who distinguishes among the masses, right? And he's mm. Pete's boss or his employer, we could say, or I don't know, slaveholder. I don't want to, we could also argue this, arriving on a steamboat, a boat full of black Pete's. And he's sitting on a chair. Pete always stands. And uh, yeah, so Black Pete really reminds us also of these racist elements that uh, the blackface that was also used in the U.S. in in, in the minstrel shows where white actors would dress up and paint themselves as black plantation slaves dancing, behaving like in foolish and, and stupid ways. And then also when we look at his name, it was something that I always ask myself, why do we say Black Pete and not Pete? And why don't we say whites into class, you know? So that also brings us back to, to this whole thing of, of white supremacy, because white is the norm, right? It's the default, it's the unmarked category, mm-hmm. while black is the marked category. We have to mention it. Yeah. Oh, he's black, mm-hmm. she's black. So even though there have been changes, um, there's still white Dutch people who deny that black Pete is racist. Uh, they don't understand it. And you hear comments such as, this is our culture, this is our tradition, and you foreigners are trying to take it from us, as as Slika also mentioned before, and Black Pete is black because he passed through the chimney. So then you wonder, okay, but what about his hair, his lips, and his clean clothes? The clothes are still clean. They're not dirty. Um, So, yeah, and then you often hear people say, Black Pete is not racist. End of discussion. Like, there's not even room for discussion. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are not uh, racist in this country. And if you don't like it, you can leave. So why? And and of course, we are portraying the very extreme position here. But yeah. So why is it or why was the Dutch majority, uh, um, like the, the majority of white Dutch society denying that Black Pete is racist? Why does the government not take a clear stance? We had Rutte saying all kinds of comments. So what I'm asking myself also, is it possible that the whole issue around Black Pete is also linked to not wanting to acknowledge the harm that has been caused during the country's colonial history because of a lot of the activists also, or all of them, refer to the to colonialism, to the colonial legacy of the country. So I talked a lot, but I want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> Uh, do you want to start, Simone? <laughs> I know you can start. Uh, what what stays in mind for me now is 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 like the acknowledging of the country's colonial history. I mean, like lately in the news, we've heard rumors that they are going to apologize for the whole time of of of, of the slavery period, and um, I think. Maybe it's maybe it's like a political agenda. Next year, it's like officially 150 years ago that that we that slavery ended by the Dutch. Well, there's some discussion about it, but like we state that next year is 150 years, and I think maybe then they want to acknowledge some stuff, and then they are also able to talk about that black beat is actually racism because if they say it now, maybe in the political agenda it doesn't fit or something. I don't know. I feel like, why don't we speak out? And I think uh, certain cities also make this statement. I think Amsterdam was the city where it was introduced, but Amsterdam was also the first city that ended it lately because I, in history, I think Black Pete has been gone, been brought back alive and has been gone and is back. And I think, well, the last uh, city that ended it and said, like, we're not going to use Black Pete anymore was Amsterdam. Also, I think because if we look at the history, you know, they started something. So... I think the major was making a point in stating out, we don't want to do it anymore. And I don't understand why it's so hard for other cities to follow. You now see that it is, that they are following it. You were also mentioning like Volendam, that it's a small city that a lot of tourists come there. And like what happened last year, you know, was not good for like for their business. So then they had to make a statement to, to attract more tourism, maybe. So it's it's very, very different why they do change or don't want to change. Yeah, and, and what you see is um, nowadays is that the the contrast between different parties is getting bigger and bigger. You can see it in other subjects as well, not only in the Black Peak discussion, but a whole lot of discussions about certain top uh, uh, subjects playing now in the Netherlands is that you have a huge party, which is, um, this is not acceptable anymore, but also a huge party 
who fights to keep the black peat just the way it is. So you have two extreme parties standing across each other. And I think that's why the government doesn't really take a clear stand, because also in the government uh, itself, the different parties like the VVVD, CDA, DENK, PVV, all those type of parties have different opinion about this subject. So even there in the government, they cannot agree on uh, saying, okay, we as a government take one clear stand about we don't tolerate the black peat anymore. There are a lot of people working in government in the Tweede Kamer who still are pro black peat and want it to stay and are also making or mm. being very vocal about it. So if you have a political figure saying, no, black peat uh, needs to stay just the way it is, then you also have a whole community of Dutch citizens who feel, okay, if my polit- uh, politician says that black peat is okay, then I can also uh, express my feelings of still wanting black peat to stay. So also there you can see a major, major uh, part uh, that the government plays in this whole discussion uh, about mm-hmm. black peat and two groups really standing uh, across each other and saying, okay, no um, to black peat and yes to black peat. And I also think um, the, like Lika said, the whole colonial history, it's extremely hard for anybody to say, um, sorry, uh, what we did in the past was not okay. We hurt you. We hurt a whole group of people and that's not okay. Just by saying those words takes a lot of courage, a lot of self-reflection, a lot of empathy towards another group of people. And mm-hmm. you can see that that is still something that we still haven't reached. We still don't feel that empathy towards another group of people to say, you are right. We should never have done that. We are sorry. So if that part of our colonial history is still a really yeah. big issue and still a bridge too far to take, then this discussion, therefore, is still also uh, very alive today and will not be resolved within matters of just one politician saying, okay, let's change the party. I think it's also like the, what you said uh, has also a lot of repercussions because um, how is colonialism taught in the schools? Um, how many pages in the book are actually about the Dutch colonial history? How much do people know about the colonial the, the colonial legacy of the country, right? Um, I feel like there's a lot, uh, like, okay, it's not about a competition, but I always feel like, um, it's the, Indonesia is much more talked about than what happened in Suriname or what happened in, 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 in the, um, yeah, in the Caribbean in general. Yeah. Um, what I also feel like, um, here is something that is not being discussed about. What does it mean to be a racist? Because people sometimes say, yeah, but I'm not a racist. But what does it mean to be racist? Yeah, and exactly. Yes, you are a racist if you're defending Black Pete. It's as simple as that. Um, yeah. And if you say, but I'm not a racist, then you still are not making a difference because you're not being anti-racist. And that's another subject. What mm-hmm. does it mean mm-hmm. to be anti-racist? So I think yeah. if you acknowledge Black Pete is racist, um, it goes back to our colonial history. That has a lot of repercussions on what you have to do as a follow-up, you have to change your history books. You have to change the way you're you're talking about the colonial past. You have to define what is racism. Racism is not just an individual thing. It's not just your neighbor who says, ah, I like Black Pete or oh, you look like Black Pete. It's a whole system that mm-hmm. oppresses people, that marginalizes people. And it also yes. means if you want to change it, you need to explain what does it mean to be anti-racist. You need to... Yes educate people like what we said at the beginning yes the whole uh protest against black pete started let's say with an action group and then educational materials were developed right um conversations were being held with the municipality events uh, are are happening movies are being shown so it it didn't just i mean just in brackets stay with the protest so i think there's so much at stake that people Maybe just prefer, okay, let's change the figure, but let's not really go into the hard work. This is what I what I sometimes feel as as well. And this whole idea of let's find a compromise. Um, yeah. let's because we are all equal, you know. So no, yeah. we are not. But <laughs> I, I like I like what you're saying, like 
uh, people, a lot of times you hear people saying, I'm not racist, but then actually you should ask them a question, but then are you anti-racist? Yeah. What is the work that you're putting into it? If you're not racist, then what are you doing to show that you are anti-racist? I think that's that's a beautiful response to, to ask somebody. Yeah. And if people say, I'm not racist, but they still feel that they can celebrate Sinterklaas with Black Pete, then you need to educate yourself because yeah. then you're then you're showing that you are. Yeah. And it's yeah. hard because I have this discussion even in the family. Uh, now lately, uh, people have been a bit more educated, but you you see it. And for me, uh, with the whole thing, when it starts, when the you know when the commercials come in into television and everything, or you see the wrapping paper or the the paper notes, uh, the candies, I already feel like, oh shit, do we have to do this? I mean, I recently had a baby, and we we decided like we're not going to celebrate Santa Claus at all. And I know my mom will be like disappointed because she's like, yeah, but Santa Claus is nice. Okay, I know we don't we don't use Swartipede. I totally agree on that. But let's celebrate this children. Part. And I'm like, I don't, I just don't want to celebrate it at all anymore because it's so low. It. It's it's for me. It's nothing fun anymore. I prefer to do something totally different. But yeah, yeah. And you're touching up a, a, a great subject about uh, be, what it is me being racist. What I hear, what I hear as a black woman a lot is um, when I point to people about it, they say, yeah, but I'm not a racist because I have a black friend. Or uh, yeah. <laughs> for them, having that part in their, in their life... <laughs> the is, alibi. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. so much more, like you stated, Stella, it, there's so much more depth uh, uh, into being uh, a racist or at least being an anti-racist. And what are you mm -hmm. doing uh, to show that uh, you are willing to see people equal and willing to really put in the work to make sure that everybody's being seen equal from day one. Um, so uh, you see that also a lot uh, with people. Uh, yeah. They And it's, it, it's, it's, I have to say, it's a hard subject. I understand because you really have to do the work in yourself. See, okay, uh, do I have bias against people, race, color, and where does it come from and how mm -hmm. can I uh, address it and how can I uh, uh, talk about it? And people are mostly not aware of the bias and uh, the points of view that I have against other people. So it's not yeah. with that for sure. Because everybody has bias. I have bias. Everybody has it. But to acknowledge it and to know exactly. like when it's when it's the bias or to to like see why am I biased? Let's have a conversation with this person. What's the story about this person? Then you'll know and then you find out and then, then you can do something about the bias. I think that's that's very important. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's I, I it's also a lot about listening. Listen yes. to my story. Listen what I have to tell you. Like what Simona says earlier with, with the, her friend. He had been telling his friend for years that this is happening to him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He just didn't believe him. Why don't no. you believe my story? Like my personal story. Yeah. Like personal stories have value. Personal stories uh, frame us, who we are, how we feel. Uh, they cause yeah. trauma to us, you know? So why don't okay. you believe my story? Why don't you believe what I'm telling you? Why do you need to see your kids referring to me as Black Pete and, and hiding and getting scared and I don't know what? So it's also yeah. a lot about listen to my narrative. Listen yeah. what I have to say. Listen what I've been through. And empathize with, with it. Yeah, definitely. I also think what I want to, because we mentioned it earlier, and I want to get back to that because, for example, Jerry Afriye, And a lot of other activists, they've been, they're like actually criminalized as if they are doing something very bad while they're only standing there peacefully in a t-shirt. And actually the people that are against them, they are, they are being violent. They stop buses on, you know, uh, on the, on the roads and block the road. And they're, and those people are being seen as heroes. Like, yeah, they're defending something that's Dutch. While the other people are making a statement, and not only, I mean, uh, we once invited uh, Henry Afria to school, and he definitely speaks for all the children. So he's not only uh, standing up for children of color, he's like, no, I want to make it an inclusive uh, festivity so everybody can celebrate it and so that everybody can feel uh, good about it. And and But he's being seen as something, oh, you know, if he comes, let's watch out. Maybe something will happen. But it's not. He's one of the most peaceful persons I know. And he's just standing up for for like for a whole group. It's not only for people of color. 
It's just something that, that needs to change. And I think that's a bad thing also, that people who stand up for the rights of others yes. are being seen as 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 bad. Yeah, there's well, there's this... Uh, the, the, she's a feminist scholar. I love her a lot, Sara Ahmed. And she calls... I mean, she talks about the feminist killjoy, but that's what you are. You are a killjoy. You're killing my joy. I want to celebrate. Mm -hmm, uh, and mm -hmm. I don't care if you feel discriminated against or if you suffer or whatever. I want to celebrate. Yes. You are the killjoy who is destroying the moment, right? Or if you're an activist, if you have an opinion, if you're outspoken, yeah. you have lunch with your family. We just want to have lunch. And here she goes again. Yes, oppression. Yes, black people. Oh, here she goes again, the killjoy. Yeah. So we don't oh, want to wow. have killjoys. We don't like them. because We don't they, like killjoys, yeah. no. But yes. They are necessary. <laughs> and, but, Obviously. And, yeah, but and I also think what, what I what I like is like uh, this quote comes up, like once you know better, you do better. Yeah, Maya Angelou. Uh, yeah, from Maya Angelou. And, and I like like there's, for example, there's this um, actress, Georgina Fabian, and she used to play Black Peak. And then she showed on her Instagram, which has a lot of followers, she saw one picture of her being Black Pete, and then the other one, another picture next to it, wearing a T-shirt saying Black Pete is racism and saying, I didn't know that before. And once I knew, and once I know that it hurts people, and once I know the story behind it, I definitely see that there's change that is needed. And I think that's also beautiful. Like you should show that, okay, I used to think like this, but now I've educated myself and I've seen stuff and I've changed. So if I can change, you can change. Let's all change. Yeah. 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 I, had a, I had a talk once with uh, when my kids were still at daycare with the teachers because um, I asked them like, because at first um, they were also, I think the first year my kids were there, that's also when I really got to know this whole Black Pete thing. Um, they, they did have a black Pete and actually also black person was black Pete. And, and I asked her, you don't mind? No, it's just fun, you know, but then they changed it. And, and I asked them, I say, I, I don't want you to do black Pete. So I had a conversation with them. And then one of the teachers, he says to me, you know what? I used to celebrate it all my life, but now I know that it's racist. And now mm -hmm. I know better. And I understand that we cannot continue like this. And I don't want this anymore, you know? So she also like admitted that let's say yeah that's how i i was raised i never questioned it and now i'm realizing that it's actually really really bad and it hurts people so but that that's good because a lot of places they still don't know because yeah. I, i remember i uh, the first time i i never thought that they would still celebrate black pete or sinterklaas with black pete at the school of my son And he forgot his lunchbox. So I brought his lunchbox and I came at the exact moment that Sinterklaas and his Pete's arrived and there were two black Pete's. And I was like, oh my God, I wanted to take him away directly, but it wasn't possible. And I also wanted to not kill his joy at that moment, but I did have a conversation afterwards with him and then wrote a whole email with a whole educational story and videos and stuff towards the board of the school. And they were like, oh yeah, well, thank you for mentioning it. We will... We will keep it, we will consider it next year. So when next year, you know, when November came, I was like, okay, let me check. And I checked and they were like, yeah, no, we're still going to celebrate with Black Beach because, yeah, that's what we do. And uh, and they were like, yeah, well, I said, well, then I make a statement. If you're going to celebrate it like that, I will not bring my child to school. And then there were a few other persons that heard about it and they were like, why? And I had to defend myself. But then other, other parents were there like, no, we agree. We also don't bring our children. So then at the end, they did change it. But it did take some, you know, some effort, like to, to, to make that change. It was not yeah. automatically. And I think a lot of people maybe they, they, that are listening also, they might struggle with this because if you are in like a village that is like still like let's say very you know in the traditional side. yeah traditional and you are the first person in your village to discover like oh yeah for me I think also they are right it's it's a racist thing how do you address it how do you do that um, because you might you know have a lot of angry neighbors around you or other parents so I think for a lot of people it's still something that they fear to do but it is the right thing to do yes Yes. Yeah. And what does an inclusive center class party look like? You already referred to it. Um, what is your vision about it? Both mm -hmm. of you, of course, the question. Or should we not celebrate it at all? I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> me, I perso also, me personally, I'm like, yeah. nah, fuck the whole thing. I don't want to yeah. celebrate at all. But let's, I mean, let's, let's the envision kids... an inclusive one. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, so 
I have a daughter who's 17 <laughs> years old already. So um, I've been going through this whole Sinterklaas uh, stages uh, for quite some time. And I remember uh, when she was, I think, two or three, we first had a discussion about what is Sinterklaas, what is sort of Pete, what is this party all about? Because it's all, also, uh, it already starts in the kindergarten. So uh, from day one, I knew that I was not going to uh, celebrate uh, the Sinterklaas or sort of Pete with her. So I told her why and what it is and why we don't want to celebrate. But of course, I didn't, because she was still so small, didn't talk to her about in really big words, but in small words for her to comprehend why we didn't celebrate it. But of course, also as a parent, you don't want your kid to feel left out because mm -hmm. on 5 December, all the kids get gifts. And uh, on the 6th of December, the kids go to school and bring their gifts and show to all the group like, oh, what did you get from Sinterklaas? And all the kids can show at school what they got from Sinterklaas on the 5th of December. So of course, as a parent, you don't want to uh, send your kid empty-handed to school and say, well, we don't celebrate. So what I agreed upon with my daughter back then is um, we call it Kinderdag. So she knows that she's getting presents from me as a parent. And we have a little kids party. And of course, um, it doesn't say that that is the only way to celebrate like an inclusive Sinterklaas. But for me um, to say that you always hear the argument like, yeah, but for the kids, they want it this way. I can tell you my kid was super happy because in the end, kids just want to have a special day where they are the center of the day and they're getting gifts and goods. And she didn't feel left out in any other way that there was not a Sinterklaas or a Black Pete here in our house, but just me spoiling her for that day, doing all kinds of games, uh, having some cake and making a special moment that day. And so on the second or on the sixth of December, she could also bring the gifts that she got to school, and she didn't feel left out. She didn't feel like she missed anything. So it is possible from a kid's point of view to make this an exclusive party if we as parents are willing to sit down with each other and say, how can we make it inclusive, still fun for the kids, still with maybe some presents, maybe some games, but that. It is an equal party. You don't have a white supremacy. You don't have a Pete against a, a, a Sinterklaas. And from a point of view, I always ask my daughter, even now that she's 17, I asked her, have you ever felt left out, missed something? If you could turn back the time, would you have wanted to celebrate it? And she always says, no, mom, I never feel like I missed anything. I still felt like you spoiled me and I was still part of the whole celebration, but the, but not with the Swarte Piet and the Sinterklaas. And I think yeah. that is major key yeah. if we think about how we can make it more inclusive. Think about the kids, like they all say, but also be uh, open-minded. There are so many more options. Mm. Yeah, it's, I totally agree on you. And But the other thing that comes to mind, hearing about the presence and also seeing that not everybody is... Uh, has the possibilities to buy presents, especially because December is already a very uh, a month that we spend a lot of money. Some people celebrate Christmas, you know, the end of the year. So I think also there's a, a lot of the um, uh, like people are very divided in this. That not everybody has the possibility to to spoil uh, their kids, and some kids like get because they put the shoe down. I don't know if we explain that every night as a kid. From half of November or something, you can put your shoe, you know, with the carrot and then a little poem in it. And some kids get a present like every day, you know, and then on the fifth, they get spoiled also by grandpas and grandmas and whoever. So they get like a lot. And some kids don't get anything like the whole month. So that's also something that I feel like, hmm. You know what's inclusive on this whole party thing. Um, so, so, so I, I do like this year. We got like a letter from the school that everybody can only spend like six euros on a present, and if you don't have the money, you can call the school and tell them I don't have it, and then they they will give something to your child so that your child is not left out. So that's something that is a change for me this year that I, I didn't see before that I like. Um, and what I also see is that. 
a lot of people don't make it about Sinterklaas or Black Pete anymore. It's still called Sinterklaas, but like a lot of people just make a game. You all buy presents and then you, you know, roll the dice. And then if you have a four, everybody has to move their presents to the right, you know. And then if you have a, a two, everybody has to stand up and move a chair to the left. So you never know how many presents, even if you gain a lot of presents, sometimes you have to switch. So you can make... You can make it like a fun thing or you can make it like an educational thing. I also like the thing uh, that you pick a name. Like, for example, you pick a name from your family or your friends and everybody picks names. And then, you know, for example, I pick your name and I have to make you a present. So then you stimulate creativity, uh, write a poem, you know, so that, that that's it's also another way to like celebrate, but like more. Yeah, just a get together, because that's the only thing that I do like a lot of. People in my family, they're always busy, busy, but, you know, for Sinterklaas, they make time and then we get together and write each other a nice poem, not only laughing or stupid poems, but, and then sometimes it can be nice. But for me, like, it's it's so loaded now with the whole discussion that it feels something like, yeah, do we really want to celebrate it? My oldest two, they don't believe anymore. And then my baby, it's up to us. And I really like the way that Simone did it. So I think probably we we will do it like that. Yeah. And I like the way you're telling Lika because my mom was a teacher at school. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember at one time that her school also decided, like you said, um, because a lot of people, uh, parents from that school uh, said, we don't have the money to buy the gifts. And so mm -hmm. the school said, we will make a budget. So the kids had to write their top three gifts on a piece of paper. And it has to be a maximum of five, five euros. And the school actually at the beginning of the year made a budget to buy the gifts. So the parents, mm. so the burden wasn't on the parents. So the yeah. school bought the gifts for the kids, like one of the uh, gifts that uh, one of the items that the kids wrote on their top three list. And, um, and, and, and the only thing that the parents had to do is make a poem uh, or write something special. And then the teacher uh, put it all together and then on the 5th December they celebrated so my mom always told me uh, that's how they uh, uh, made a solution that they don't have to put a burden on the parents because some parents said we actually don't have the money to provide and other parents bought like really expensive gift for the other children so to make it more equal that was also a nice solution I think for the schools to uh, yeah, they have the budget. They get a lot of money for the government for the whole school year. Mm -hmm. So that's also an option uh, as a school to provide a little bit of part of the budget to provide the gifts for the celebrations. Yeah, what, yeah. what I see in, in, in my kids' school, so there's no Black Pete. Um, they're just Pete's with different, like if, if they're like pictures or some things they, they, they created out of paper with different hats, like a purple hat, a yellow hat, whatever. Um, and, um, they change the songs and, uh, as presents, also the school buys the presents. So, oh, yeah. uh, they also don't ask us what the kids want. I don't know if they ask the kids, um, but I know they buy like presents all in the same kind of, uh, price range. And then each kid, uh, gets a present and that's it. Yeah. And for me, because, um, okay. I first didn't get the whole Santa Claus, like, I mean, I didn't understand the festivity, uh, when I first mm. moved to the Netherlands. And of course, I also didn't have kids at first. And, um, then when I understood it, um, I decided, okay, we, we will not celebrate it. Um, so what I, uh, used to do now, uh, I'm, I'm not in Amsterdam at the moment, so I don't need to celebrate it, thankfully. <laughs> um, I, I used to tell them, okay, on, on the 5th of December, you can put your shoe and then I would buy them a book. And, oh, yeah. uh, and that's it, you know, and I say, we celebrate Christmas. This is our festivity. This is when you get your presents. This is when we meet as a family. But, you know, I, I bought them a book or something. And I also have discussed, um, the 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 whole thing uh, around black Pete with the kids so yeah. um what racism is why we don't say black what the 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 figure represents of course in an age appropriate way but mm. um i also think yeah no i i've talked to them openly about many things and also shared experiences that their father has been through their grandmother so on and so forth so to make it also a bit more tangible to them um mm. referring it to people in their environment so yeah we've talked a lot about it yeah but I think I think what you're mentioning now is something that's very important. Like um, 
that that you talk to your kids about what racism is. Because now, you know, if you want to explain them, I think this is the opportunity for yeah. all the Dutch people. So if you're listening, this is your chance to put make things right. Because this is the opportunity to explain to your kids why Black Pete is not Black Pete anymore, why it has changed. And I think a lot of kids don't even know this, but it's it's the nice opportunity to talk about racism. Because a lot of times I hear uh, people say, yeah, but my kids are too young to talk about it. My kids are too young to see the difference in colors. But there is like there's a whole documentary uh, that you see like a, a test being done with white and black dolls. And, and the kids are asked like, who's the good guy? And then they all point out to the white doll. Who uh, gets punished the most? They all point out to the black doll. Who is the one uh, being, you know, best in school? And so, and you already see that kids from a very young age no particularly very good in color what's good and bad and it's very and it's up to us as parents as adults to teach kids from a young age already that that's not okay that a black kid can you know reach as much or can can become uh the minister of the netherlands or you know the president it doesn't matter what color the kid has and we have to teach the youth that 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 it's that it's not about color and that you can be proud of your color because that, that's what happens to kids who, you know, who see Black Pete is only funny and dumb. They think like, oh, maybe I have to act only funny and dumb so that people like me. No, no, you don't. So, yeah, so I mean, what you say, sorry for interrupting. There is a part, uh -huh. I have to go back to Gloria Wecker. I'm sorry. Uh -huh. um, you better check her out afterwards if you don't know her. But in her book, she says actually that research from the United States, and I'm quoting right now, and the United Kingdom shows that little children by the age of three or four are already aware of what skin color they have and oh. which advantages being white mm. carries. The phenomenon of Black Pete is the Dutch equivalent of the Cowboys and Indians game in the United States, mm -hmm. where a black child is very quickly taught that he can only be Swarte Pete or an Indian, never Santa Claus or a cowboy. And of this is exactly what I mean. So this is the time that we can change this. This whole narrative, we have to change it. Thank you for that one. Yeah. Gloria, not me. Yeah, but I just you know, for mentioning it. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that's exactly what I'm saying because a lot of times I also hear parents, yeah, no, I don't talk about it because my kid is too young to understand. But you can explain what you are saying. Like you can buy books, you can explain it in, in their language. I mean, you don't have to explain all the difficult words because, of course, they don't understand the words. But I mean, we don't have an excuse anymore. There's material out there and there's material for children. So and, much. And, and, and I, it's also like now we can, like, why can we talk about the Ukrainian war with our kids? And why do the schools organize mm -hmm. all these kind of events, which is, I'm supporting it. And why can we not talk about racism? Like, why are we selective? Oh, we can talk to them about no. this, but we cannot talk yeah. to them about but that. But once no. it comes to black and white perspective, <laughs> yeah. it's always a yeah. difficult thing. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't have to be. It, may, yes. it might hurt because, but that's the whole where you go back to the political thing of the colonialism, uh, why it's so hard to say sorry. And that makes the whole discussion about black and white so hard. So once the word is out, maybe that will get, will be easier. But on the other way, I think you have to do the work and you have to do the inner work and stand up. Yeah. And you cannot, I mean, you cannot just ex ex um, expect from black people to do all this, right? No. It's a lot no. of emotional labor. It's very no. tiring. And that's I, not I, just what somebody represents. You have to do your own yeah. work. You have to do your own yes. research. And yes. there are tons of things out there. And if you don't know any books, yeah. go into Google. Yeah. And and oh. it's 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 a it's a shared history. So everybody has a part in it. So you have to heal this process also together. Yeah. And for me also, it really have uh, it starts with parents. If parents mm -hmm. give the example of embracing all groups of people and like really inclusive uh, at in the workplace, at the a personal environment, etc. Mm -hmm. Then people's children will see it and will adopt it. Definitely. But yeah. if you say to your children, "Oh, everybody's equal," but they see you as an adult treating people from other backgrounds as minorities, as yeah. lesser, then people, then the children will uh, adopt the same behavior. I've yeah. even because my, my daughter is black, and I still remember so vividly. That on in, in her kindergarten, there was one child who 
probably has never seen a black kid or and she went up to Zoe her face and was rubbing with her fingers on her face like and it was three years old like does that come off does her color come off so um also educate your children as parents mm -hmm. yeah. um, you have such a major role in this whole thing uh don't say like oh children don't see color like you said Mika. Um, mm -hmm. It all starts with us as parents. And I love that we now have more books out there. Like you say, yeah. Stella, you have much more books with all kinds of children being portrayed in the books. So yeah. if you go to the library with your kids, choose those kind of books. Yeah. Look selectively for books with kids with different background, different color. Get your kid from the most earliest age. Educated. Dolls with different colors, everything, yeah. Yeah, and also, also, I mean, there is a publishing company that I bought many of their books. It's called Zezam Publishing. It's a Belgian uh, publisher, and they publish those intercultural books. And I think it's important to mention that those books are just normal stories with kids with a Muslim background, black kids, Jewish kids, Surinamese kids, so on and so forth, uh, kids with autism and... Um, it's not just about oh, get books where the black kid is about racism. They're just normal stories about whatever yeah. a kid doesn't want to do her homework or is jealous of the brother that um, that has now arrived. Yeah. And it's just that the characters are from all kinds of backgrounds. Yeah. So, but it, yeah. the thing is, the main thing is that representation matters. Yeah. If you see, if you see, I, mean, I don't know if you've seen the little spoiler things about uh, Black Ariel and then the kids yeah. responding yeah. on it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. every time I look at it, I have, I have to cry because it's like, damn, it, it's so normalized that you know white is the main color. Yeah. Now they see something different. They're like, oh, mommy, this this Ariel looks just like me, and it's like, wow. Yeah. yeah. And 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 it's so important for yeah that representation. Everybody should like see yeah. themselves back in the books in the movies in yes yeah yes yeah totally. it's it's um it's totally. it's it's really hard to understand that finding black dolls 17 years ago i couldn't find a black doll in the netherlands for zoe i couldn't and colorful so, goodies no exactly <laughs> i have exactly. to give a shout out to ellen <laughs> she spoke know? on this podcast also i know yeah but yeah. to know that she's one of the first stores ever, and it wasn't that long ago, uh, uh, states out that it is super important that we still have a lot of work there to do mm, with each other. Definitely. So parents go and get books, dolls in all kinds of colors for your children. So we can make a more inclusive uh, yeah, that country together. Yeah. 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 And... As we said earlier, people do get attacked and uh, made fun of when, when they speak out against Black Pete or when they propose alternatives. So how can um, people react to microaggressions? How can people be allies? Because as we said, the hatred, the aggressions are real, you know. People have to deal with a lot of crap when they address this unspoken dominant agreement that racism is not an issue in the Netherlands. Um what do you have to to tell us like what is your advice or yeah your experience well like you said stella uh, as a black person uh, it's it gets emotionally tiring so i came here to the netherlands when i was 9 um, and i've never celebrated the sinterklaas party with my family and i always had to explain myself why we didn't mm. and i work in a predominantly white white uh, environment I work for the Dutch government. And also there, when um, I had Zoe, my daughter, seven years, 17 years ago, I always had to explain every year around the 5th of December to my <laughs> colleagues why I didn't celebrate it. And in the beginning, they didn't understand it. But um, it doesn't help to get aggressive. So I always explain to them uh, why we didn't celebrate it. What effect does it have on me as a black person? Always bring it back to me. And always what you see as well, because they always uh, give the argument, like Lika said, uh, yeah, but uh, that black person does celebrate it. Well, it doesn't give you the right to still yeah. feel like, okay, this is my free press to still celebrate it. Because mm -hmm. of one black person saying, okay, I'm still celebrating, doesn't mean that you can ignore all the thousands of black people that are being hurt by the celebration mm -hmm. so it doesn't give you the free pass 
So I constantly always keep the argument, the, the, the conversation open with my colleagues. And over the years, I've seen colleagues actually turn around and say, hey, what you told me five or 10 years ago actually now really makes sense. I can see it now how it hurts people. I can now understand and you are right. So it does take a long breath, a lot of conversations and a whole lot of honest and open conversations because you are you, you need people who are willing to listen. I have to say that one first because I also spoke with people who don't want to listen and who will say, well, it's rubbish. You don't see it. Uh, you don't, you see it the wrong way. They don't, don't even want to listen. Then it's hard yeah. to, to have a proper conversation. But if you have people who are willing to listen, give examples of your own life experience like I did. By giving them, telling them what I have experienced, what close friends of mine have experienced, open their eyes because sometimes they don't even know so it helps to share your life experience, keep the conversations open and be willing to say this is not OK and stand on your own ground. Don't say, OK, because one pe- one black person said, oh, I'm celebrating it. It's OK. Mm. Always tell them and educate them that there are thousands of people being hurt by this. And also take it also back to the children, because that's also one of the first yes. arguments they say it's a kid's party. And then I always explain them, like I always, uh, explained to you earlier, that my daughter had a different version of it and still was the most happiest kid, kid, still went to school. And it's possible. It's possible to change the narrative, make it a more inclusive party, and still think about the kids. Because yeah. that's what yeah. it's all about. Yeah. It's possible. There's also, um, thank you, Simona, for, for sharing mm-hmm. uh, all of this. And there's also, as we already mentioned, the group um, Kick Out Swarte Piet, Kick Out Black Piet. Um, on their website, they have a toolkit that uh, Lika shared also with us uh, this morning, where they really tell you things that you can do. Um, they have also um, like uh, letters that you could send to the school, to the, the mm-hmm. daycare, to the mayor, to shops, to restaurants. They speak about an inclusive center class. They also tell you participate in in protests. They give you tips how to participate in in, in those protests, how you can um, have conversations. So there is a lot. uh, A reading reading list, I think, um, uh, frequently asked questions. So there's a lot there. I don't know, Lika, if you want to say anything. No, I think I think you should 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 look that up. But I think microaggression in general, like somebody discriminating another person, you know, a lot of times people just laugh about it because they're insecure or they don't feel safe enough to defend themselves, themselves or whatever. I think if you see it, you should always react on it or check the person. Are you okay? Yeah, I noticed exactly, what happened. Exactly. Or or uh, talk to the person you know who who, who makes the the you know who makes the, the joke comment. or something. But don't say like, hey, you're really hurting that person. No, always talk from your perspective, like saying like, hey, what you're saying, I don't think that it's funny or I don't think that it's nice. And then because if not, you put the other person in the spotlight and maybe they don't even want to be in the spotlight. So always take it from your uh, from your perception. And I think you should like be an active bystander and not let it just go because then the world doesn't get better. And sometimes, yeah. a lot of times, microaggression it can be done on purpose, then it's just really bad because then you're just really discriminating. But a lot of times it's not done on, on purpose or people don't even know that it's actually not funny. And and then it's it's very important that you educate. And then I think it's, it's I mean, what Simone already says, it can be very tiring for a person that always has to defend themselves or always has to explain themselves. So then it's very, very nice to be an ally and just stand there and, and then you do the work. For sure. And I think... Um, Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no. I, uh, I was telling. Uh, I, I was uh, commenting on Lika, like, and it makes a stronger case. I uh, Lika is my friend, and for her as a white woman to stand by me as a black woman and to say uh, this is not okay, also help to make the voice bigger and stronger. Because sometimes white people will look at me and say, "Oh yeah, but you're the angry black women." But mm-hmm. if I have Lika by my side, telling them. No, she's right. This is not okay. People tend to listen a little bit better because then you have somebody who's white 
saying that to another person who's white, like, hey, uh, I'm holding you accountable. What you're saying right now is not okay. And then they will think a little bit more like, oh, okay, if she's saying it, hmm. Because um, sometimes I have a disadvantage of being a black woman. Uh, uh, if I say something, it's always like, oh, yeah, but you're always angry or you're always did or you're always that. So it's already being stigmatized. Yeah. So, and again, mm-hmm. we see the, the whole thing, what we mentioned earlier with the power relationship. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and I think um, something also that, that you mentioned, Lika, sometimes maybe we are, we are scared to attack the aggressor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to say, hey, what you said is, is wrong or whatever. But you can go to the person that has been attacked and, and, and you mentioned it, but just to emphasize it again and check in with them. Are you okay? How do yes, you feel? Definitely. Is there something I can do for you right now? Like, mm-hmm. don't just leave. If 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 you're scared to 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 to, I don't know, talk to the other party, to the to the attacker, to the aggressor, don't neglect the person that has been attacked. You know, check yeah. in on them. How are yeah. you? Can I do something for you? Yeah. I saw what happened. I don't think it's okay. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I'm not. I I don't agree with that person. Yeah, that's it's very important. Yeah, it's always like you have to see how the situation is and what's the best thing for that moment, but don't let it slide. And I also like what you are doing, Stella, with the podcast. You're amplifying voices, and you know, I think that's very important too. Thank you. Yes, so we are um, almost at the end of our conversation, actually, and I always honor um, somebody, usually a woman, at the end of of my podcast. And today we want to honor the activists, the grassroots action groups, the volunteers, the parents, the people who have been standing up against Black Pete in, in their workplace, within their families, on the playground, at schools, at churches, and other institutions. We want to honor the, the activists who have been on the front line for so many years when nobody was really um, saying anything against Black Pete, the people who really started all of this, who had the courage to do it, and everybody actually who who has the courage to to speak up against Black Pete as a racist figure, and who has been involved um, in achieving this change. And I don't know if the two of you want to add something. Um, now we are at the end of the podcast. Maybe there's something that you feel like, oh, I, I didn't mention it. I didn't say it. There's still something I want to emphasize. So feel free to do so. Yeah, like I said, um, I think for me, the most important part is to keep the conversation open and going. Let's try as a country to come closer to each other and not further away from each other because uh, black people also want to be included in every part of society, in every celebration, in every workswear, private, it doesn't matter. We just want to be included and feel equal in every which way. So let's try to keep that in mind as we have this conversation about these subjects. Yes. Now I don't want to say anything anymore because that was just a beautiful ending and I totally agree on you. And you should be included because, you know, I love to see you over at places like high on the top and make your <laughs> voice hear them. Like, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> totally agree yeah. on that but one. let's yeah let's make this world a better place yeah. for our children a more yeah. equal place yeah and for you like for the individuals listening you can always have make a little change or in your own personal space but also like yeah. at work like bring people together from different backgrounds amplify voices make everybody listen to each other's stories so that they can all learn from each other I think that's the most beautiful thing. And then for one thing, getting back to this, the, the Black Pete thing, I once did it in school with 150 students. Everybody thought there would be like big discussions, but I only saw that it brought people together. Somebody saying like, I cannot be not, you know, I have to paint my face. If not, the children will not recognize me. So I have to be Black Pete. And then another girl standing up like, this is what it does to me. It hurts me. And then afterwards, seeing them come together, hugging each other and saying like, wow, what you told me really makes me realize that I have to change and I'm not going to paint my face black anymore. I mean, those are the little things that you achieve by by just doing. Yes. Yes. I have a lot of hope in our kids. They're doing way better than us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They're already yes. doing it. They're living it. But yeah. Um, 
Thank you so much, Lika and Simona, for being here today, for accepting the invitation, for speaking about this personal, challenging, important subject. I really, really appreciate it. And I really enjoyed talking to both of you. And I want to um, thank also our listeners. And um, if you've been enjoying the episode, please share it uh, on your social media, share it with friends, with colleagues to spread the message about this very, very important topic. And as we emphasized throughout our conversation, um, activism works and activism is not just in brackets going onto the streets. Activism is a creative thing and it can happen and it is happening on so many different levels. So just look for the one thing that works for you and go for it. You know, don't just say, I'm not a racist, but I'm not doing anything about it. So you can donate to the action campaign, kick out Black Pete, kick out Svarte Pete. You can go on their website, have a look. They have so many great things there. They're doing so many amazing things. Join protests, look for conversations in your children's schools, in nurseries, in sport clubs, in churches, at work, publish on social media. There's a lot that you can do and every voice is needed. And I say it again, as we've shown it today, activism works. So thank you so, so much. Thank you, Stella. Stella. <laughs> Bye. Something that is loved is never lost. I'm Stella Sagliari and this is Salt the Podcast.